Dance Your Heart on Fire podcast episode 102. As dedicated dancers, we all share a common goal to level up our dancing over time. This goal inspires us to take weekly classes, invest in private lessons, and attend workshops and festivals. And to make sure we don't forget what we learned and we can go back and practice, we record tons and tons of videos. How many videos do you have saved on your phone right now? How often have you reviewed them and extracted the golden nuggets that you learned from those classes? How often do you record yourself during a solo practice session or with a partner? If these questions are making you feel seen right now, I have the solution for you to organize your dance journey. The Dancers Training Journal 1.0, a Notion template to help you organize your dance videos and more. Notion is a cool and easy to use productivity app, and I've created a template for you that does the heavy lifting for you to have a system in place to organize all of your videos from your practices, private lessons, festivals, and more. To learn more about how to untap your dance potential with focus, accountability, and consistency with this dope resource, go to neokizomba.com slash templates. Again, neokizomba.com slash templates. Ele prometeu em ser fiel Até se ajoelhou e olhou pro céu E disse mulher, te juro Até o fim eu vou te amar Eu nunca vou te deixar Oh não, não Mas agora tô aqui sentada Não consigo mais Mais Acreditei naquelas palavras Ele foi demais Desapareceu, não me deixou com nada Só fiquei aqui com muita mágoa Com muita mágoa Welcome to the Dance Your Heart on Fire podcast, the podcast dedicated to inspiring dancers worldwide whose hearts have been touched by music and dance. The universal language of dance and music is spoken by many of us throughout the world. We want to motivate the dancer in you by sharing stories, insights, and ideas to enhance your journey. Join us now with your host, Charles Ogar. Hello, hello, everyone. Welcome to another episode of the Dance Your Heart on Fire podcast. We're coming at you with another weekly episode. And this one was actually an unexpected turn of events to actually have this particular podcast. Uh, My guest here reached out to me and she had heard the podcast I did with some of her friends and offered to contribute to the growing library of podcasts we have to add value to the listeners and I guess even to maybe scratch some itches of curiosity uh, as it comes to potentially when the world is back to whatever the new normal is going to be, um, some international travel to Angola. So uh, I know most of my listeners that I'm starting off with, I'm a professional in the kids world. And so we all know that Kizomba plays a major part of the culture of Kizomba and Simba. And I have my guest here on the line who's going to share her experiences of actually living there for extended periods of time. So how are you doing, Carolyn? I'm good. How are you? I'm doing really good. I We were talking before the actual show started recording. We were talking about how cold it is in Texas right now. And it's like <laughs> zero or one degree Celsius right now. And our us Texans are like shivering. <laughs> yeah, it's uh, quite cold in Canada as well. Definitely, definitely. Uh, how's your week been going so far? 
so far so good. Yeah, pretty much focused on trying to stay warm these days. <laughs> mm-hmm. Definitely. So I'm curious, which podcasts were you listening to? And I guess you can kind of share a little bit of your perspective of like listening to the podcast or which one that you listen to. And then, hey, let me reach out to him and <laughs> and see if I can contribute, you know? Uh, sure. Well, since uh, COVID, I haven't been working or going out very much. I have lots of time at home and I stumbled across your podcast and it's been fun to listen to a lot of your guests, um, some of who I personally know, some friends from Montreal mm-hmm. um, and other people who I just know as instructors or have seen their videos. So it's been really cool to help uh, stay in the Kizomba world a little bit because obviously these days we're not traveling, we're not dancing, mm-hmm. we're not meeting our friends. So it's just been cool to hear voices and different perspectives on Kizomba and dancing. Um, and then as I was listening to a few different episodes, I was thinking that although I'm not a professional dance dancer or a dance instructor, I've, like you mentioned in the introduction, had the unique uh, opportunity to spend quite a few months in Angola uh, for dancing Kizomba. So like you said, I just thought it could be interesting to share some of those experiences with your listeners who may also be interested in traveling to Angola in the future and could use the resources. Mm-hmm, definitely. No, it's awesome. It's it's good to hear that the podcast is like reaching and traveling because, it's, I mean, if you have an internet connection, you basically have access to a podcast if you desire to like listen to those things, you know. And I think the last time that I checked the analytics on my show uh, this year so far, it's been listened to in like 42 different countries. So um, mm. it's pretty cool to kind of like just see that range and like, OK, I guess these people... You know, sometimes when you're in your head, you think like I have a boring voice or who's going to want to hear about this and things like that. So slowly but surely, like the spread is going out there. So um, it's really cool to have another listener join the show. And to touch on the point a little bit about uh, I know you said that you're not a professional dance instructor, but um, I know some of my guests who have been listening a little bit more, I guess, religiously. um, I've definitely been having guests on the show who haven't been dance instructors. Yeah. Because I mean, that's a limited pool. If I was Mm -hmm. only looking for dance instructors, even if I were to expand it to other dance styles, not everybody is an instructor, but everybody's on a different dance journey, you know? And it sounds like you have had some uh, unique experiences in Angola. So um, it'll be, I'm curious to hear what it's like Mm -hmm. over there, you know, because um, some of my friends have been to go and train just a handful of them, but not a huge amount, but it's definitely uh, on my list because I haven't been anywhere in Africa, despite mm. my dad being from Nigeria. But I'm excited to to kind of hear your experiences and and learn a little bit about the life over there because I know there's also a narrative of like the Africa that we see maybe in mainstream media isn't exactly what the day to day life is uh, when you're actually there. You know. Hmm. Yeah. So how do you end up with an opportunity to well? Before we get on how you traveled to Angola, do you mind sharing a little bit how you found out about Kizomba? Sure. In 2011 to 2012, I was working in Uganda in the capital city, Kampala. Uh, I was working for a program, kind of like a business development program sponsored by the Canadian government. So while I was there, I met some people and they invited me to go out dancing. And I've actually been a competitive 
Scottish Highland dancer my whole life. Um, so I love dancing. So when someone invited me to go for a night of partner dancing, I said, sure, I'll try it out. So while I was there, I got introduced to salsa, bachata, merengue, cha-cha, and kizomba. Mm-hmm. And they were all danced equally at the time in um, in Uganda. And I started dancing all of them. And I kind of fell in love. Like, you know, I uh, got the dancing bug and I was addicted. I was going three or four nights a week, uh, pretty much as much as I could in the city at the time. Um, and then when I left Uganda, after being there for about 10 months, I was, like I said, addicted to dancing and wanted to pursue it wherever else I was living. Um, and the next place I was working after that was in South Korea. And when I went there, I found that salsa was crazy. Like the salsa dancers there are amazing. Mm-hmm. Bachata, cha-cha, everything is there. But Kizomba, there wasn't really a scene there at the time. So like I kind of progressed more in salsa and bachata and Kizomba was kind of forgotten. Mm-hmm. Um, but then, I mean, I think this might be leading into your next question, but... Mm-hmm. Uh, when I was in Korea, I actually met some Angolans in Korea. So that helped me rekindle the love for Kizomba um, mm-hmm. and also sparked the interest to travel to Angola someday. Mm-hmm. That's awesome. So you're a Canadian who was traveling in Uganda, who <laughs> found out about party dancing in another continent. Then ended up in South Korea and stumbled across Angolans in Asia, (laughs) which opened up an opportunity to go back to Africa, but to another country. True. Yeah, it's uh, there's a lot of countries in that sentence. And it's kind of amazing just for us to realize and remember how interconnected this world is and how, you know, people travel and we're so interested in other cultures nowadays. Mm -hmm. Definitely. Um, Before we get... Um, a little bit more into like the Angolans that you met in South Korea. I wanted to ask you um, a more personal question. You said that you mentioned that you were learning a lot of different dances, salsa, bachata, and kizomba. But kizomba, I guess, stood out to you a little bit. And from some of the podcasts that I've done, some people attribute liking kizomba more than other partner dances to their love languages. And Mm -hmm. I'm not sure if you've heard of the five love languages by Dr. Gary Chapman. You know, there's like physical touch and quality time, words of affirmation and such. Have you heard of those? Well, I only briefly heard of it from listening to a few of your podcast episodes, but I I haven't researched it or otherwise heard of it. No. Mm. So even though you haven't taken the quiz and and (laughs) you're like semi new to this subject, I'm still curious if you could... Uh, choose out of physical touch, words of affirmation, acts of service, uh, gifts, and quality time, would you say that you kind of lean to being like a physical touch person? And that was one of the things that helped you draw draw you to Kizomba? And if not, what did draw you to Kizomba? Um, I mean, it's a little hard to answer that question on mm-hmm. the spot out of the five, because I can kind of see maybe in three or four of them, I would be drawn towards. Mm -hmm. Um, I wouldn't say it's an obvious yes, that I'm a physical touch. I don't actually think necessarily that I am. Mm -hmm. I think what really drew me to Kizomba was because I was in Africa at the time. 
And mm. although Uganda and Angola are not physically that close to each other, um, and they have some, obviously, a lot of differences in culture, language, mm-hmm. everything, but still kind of the same, I don't know, rhythm, beat, feeling. And somehow I was in Africa. You know, the majority of the people who I was dancing with were uh, Ugandans when I was mm-hmm. in Uganda, Africans. And so the way that they move, somehow they could pick up Kizomba pretty well, I think, because it's kind of, you know, it's like this deep down feeling For that sure. they have. Mm-hmm. So I think maybe that might be part of the reason why I got to like Kizomba so much is just because I started my first introduction was being in Africa and I was always listening to so many different types of African music as well. Mm -hmm. No, that makes a lot of sense. And everybody isn't always um, going to be like a physical touch person. One of my top love languages is physical touch, but in the, I guess, in the token of self-awareness and dance, uh, there's another, uh, I guess, quiz that you could take about the love languages of dance. So one of my friends, mm. Laura Riva, who's in Toronto, she kind of took a spin on this and invented some love languages of dance. And some of them are like musical expression, deep connection, challenge um, and things of that nature as well. So you can kind of see like what appeals to you or what fills up your dance love tank. And mm. yeah, it's interesting to see like what what draws different people to the dance because you can say, oh, yeah, I really like dancing. But like there's so much more under that. Uh, that's fueling that like or that desire for a particular dance, you know? Mm, yeah. Yeah. And some of the the kids people are definitely, uh, I'm not sure if you heard of the term like deucer junkies. Like they just yeah. want to like be like body to body with some nice music. And these people typically like like compa because of like the, the closeness of the dance or tarashinia. And they prefer to be like in a closed hole just because, hey, I'm a physical touch person and I'm going to get to get my physical touch love languages filled while listening to awesome music, while like the challenge of creating or following in a dance, you know, so I I nerd out on these kind of things. (laughs) Okay, so let us talk about uh, South Korea and the Angolans you met in South Korea. Um, yeah, well, it basically came from my quest to try to find if there was anyone dancing Kizomba in South Korea at the time, which was Mm -hmm. 2012, which they were just starting. So there were like a few kind of individual so-called pioneers of Kizomba, which were mostly, at least the ones I know, mostly expats. So there was a guy from Guadeloupe. He was there uh, starting. He was a tango dancer. So he was kind of just getting started in Kizomba. Um, Another salsa dancer who was from Canada. He was just starting in Kizomba. And then I was there. So we were kind of like a few people, but no one, we were all beginners, right? Like no one really (laughs) knew what they were doing. Mm -hmm. Um, So then I'm actually can't remember, but I think it might've been on Angolan Independence Day, which is November 11th. Mm -hmm. Uh, The Angolan embassy hosted uh, the Angolan embassy of South Korea or in Seoul hosted some sort of party or event. And so all of the people, uh, which was like a handful of us Mm -hmm. who were interested in Kizomba went to this party. So it was kind of advertised in the salsa world. Hey, if you're interested in Kizomba, you can come to this uh, Angolan party. So I went and from being there, I actually met a few people who worked at the Angolan embassy, uh, who are Angolans living Mm -hmm. in South Korea. And we kind of became friends, you know, exchanged contact information. And then 
uh, through maintaining that friendship over the course of the year I was in Korea, they kind of extended this invitation to me like, hey, if you ever feel like going to Angola to learn more about Kizomba, Mm. Uh, we'll help you out. Like, let us know and we'll give you some contacts and stuff. So the seed was definitely planted then. Mm. And like I said, I had been in a few other African countries before, not only, uh, not only Uganda. Um, so, you know, it was kind of like, okay, I, I know I've, I like the culture and the experience of being in different African countries. So then I was curious um, mm-hmm. at some time in the future to try to go to Angola. Nice. And you said this was in 2012, right? Yep. Uh, I was in Korea from 2012 to 2013. Mm, That's really, really awesome. So that was 2012 to 2013. So you said the seed was planted. How long did it take for that seed to like get watered and (laughs) bloom and actually turn into a trip uh, to Angola? Uh, It took four years, which is quite long, I would Mm say. Um, I, in the meantime, I kept traveling, living, working in different countries. Um, And the hesitation which stopped me from going to uh, to Angola right away is because I had heard at the time, uh, Luanda, the capital city, was the most expensive city in the whole entire world. So we're Mm. talking more expensive than New York, uh, Switzerland, Mm. Hong Kong, like the most expensive city in the world at that time. I was kind of this like, you know, low budget traveler (laughs) doing Mm -hmm. everything on the cheap. So I was kind of intimidated, like, can I go to Angola? Mm -hmm. There was that. And then a few other, I I just had other opportunities that I was pursuing at the time. Um, So then actually what happened was, I believe in 2016, I was working in India. So I was there for about 10 months working in India. Uh, during that time, I had to do a kind of visa run. I had to leave the country. So I mm-hmm. decided to go back to South Korea to visit my friends who were there. And mm-hmm. I reconnected with the Angolan ambassador and mm. some Angolan friends. And they told me, they're like, hey, when are you going to Angola? Like, we're waiting <laughs> for you. <laughs> you said you wanted to go. What's up? Um, so there was that. And then when I finished my job in India, my employer there offered to buy me an airplane ticket back to Canada, my home country. That was part mm-hmm. of the deal of the job. Um, and I said to him, I was like, you know, I have nothing to do in Canada right now. Like I'm just moving, I'm traveling. He said, yeah, no problem. Like you can choose anywhere in the world you want to go and I'll buy you a one, a one way airplane ticket to that country. And I was like, okay, I want to go to Angola. <laughs> okay. <laughs> <laughs> so my Indian employer, he was like, Angola like he I don't think he knew where it was he he Mm. actually opened Google and he googled (laughs) Angola and he's like where is that (laughs) so yeah it was uh kind of funny but it just kind of happened that things lined up at the right time I had Mm. a bit of money saved that I thought I could manage there for at least a few weeks I had the opportunity for a free airplane ticket and I had just reconnected with the Angolan ambassador who offered Mm. to help me get the visa. That's awesome. All right. So you get the ticket to go to (laughs) Angola and uh, how was your first trip? Uh, Let us know. Like, what was your experience? Where did you stay? What were things that you noticed? Where were all ears? Right. So my first trip, I got a 30 day visa. I was expecting that that would be my maximum stay would be 30 days. Uh, I had no outward ticket or plan of what I was doing after. 
Mm. Uh, so the first I got there, I don't know, on say Wednesday or Thursday, and I was able to meet a contact of the Angolan ambassador. And through her, I got an apartment to stay in. Mm-hmm. So uh, it was from one of her Portuguese expat employees. Um, and he was in Portugal for a few months. The apartment was vacant. And so just because of this personal connection, she offered me as a favor. Yeah, you can stay in the apartment for free. Nice. So lucky, right? Because it mm-hmm. is in, like there are really, really um, high rent prices. So that was really, really lucky. But then uh, my first Friday night there, I was in my apartment and I hadn't met any friends, only this kind of, you know, business executive who Mm -hmm. doesn't even dance Kizomba. And so I spent my first Friday night, I was literally alone in my apartment crying because Mm -hmm. I was so excited to be in Angola. It was like this dream come true after years of thinking about it. And I didn't know where to go dancing and I didn't have any friends and I didn't know, is it safe for me, a single Canadian woman to go out alone at Mm -hmm. night dancing and where will I go? So also that was part of my motivation of maybe wanting to share some information so that hopefully if other people go to Angola in the future, they don't waste their time on their first weekend (laughs) (laughs) like I did. Because, you know, if you think, oh my gosh, I have only two to three weeks in this country, like you don't want to waste a moment, right? Exactly. For sure. So uh, the next day I took action. <laughs> mm-hmm. I, I actually went to a local yoga class because I'm, I'm a yoga teacher. Mm-hmm. And through there at the studio, I met the owners, the other teachers, and they told me of Kizomba Narua, which is Kizomba on the street, the most famous place for dancing Kizomba in Angola, uh, which was on Sunday evening. So mm-hmm. that was my first experience dancing Kizomba. and. It was amazing. Like everything Mm -hmm. I had imagined and more, I just walked up and immediately someone asked me to dance and it's outdoors from about, about 6 PM till 9 PM. So Mm -hmm. during that time, the sun sets and like, I've seen some of the most amazing sunsets in Africa, you know, like the Mm -hmm. sky is orange and pink and we're right in front of the ocean dancing outdoors. Um, It's really low key. Like some guys, they just walk up with a speaker they plug it into a cable like on the plaza mm-hmm. and they put in a USB stick and they start playing music. <laughs> mm-hmm. There's no DJ, there's no bathroom, there's no lights. It's just mm-hmm. people outdoors dancing Kizomba. And it was just amazing. So through that first evening of dancing, then I was able to make contacts. So I exchanged mm-hmm. phone numbers with a few other dancers and local dance teachers And then I was good to go after that. You know, I kept texting them or they would text me and, hey, here's where the party is tonight. Or, oh, have you heard of this place to go dancing? Mm -hmm. So after that, it was great. Nice. Um, I'm curious if you can remember about how many people were there dancing outside. And also, like, what were your first impressions with uh, dancing for the first time in Angola versus dancing Kizomba in other places? I would say... More than a hundred people, maybe a hundred and something would be my guess. Yeah. I don't think I had experienced too many outdoor oceanfront dance Mm -hmm. parties before in my life. So that was obviously quite a unique experience from other countries. But one thing that 
is really special to me about dancing kizomba in Angola, specifically there at Kizomba Narua, is you see children of six, seven, eight years mm-hmm. old, they're dancing kizomba. You see elderly people of like 60, 70, they're dancing kizomba. Mm. You see people who are out walking their dog or out rollerblading because it's kind of like this beachfront park Mm -hmm. area. So, you know, see people who are rollerblading, they see the Kizomba dancers, they take off their rollerblades, they dance for two or three songs, and Mm. then they go back to their rollerblades or their bike and they continue with their exercise. So it kind of just shows how Kizomba is so much integrated into their culture and their life. Mm -hmm. And there are probably not that many Angolans who actually take Kizomba dance classes. There are Mm. some for sure. But most people, it's kind of just like they grow up dancing at weddings, at parties, you know, barbecues, backyard events, birthday parties. They're dancing, you know, they're eight, they're six years old. They're dancing with their grandmother. And that's how they learn. For sure. That's really awesome. It reminds me of a video essay. So part of my strategy or my, I guess, my my goals for this year is to like put out more content on YouTube. And I was, I mean, usually YouTube videos are like five, 10 minutes or something like that. And uh, one of my video topics was about the origins of the partner dances that we have around the world. And we, I talked about these two uh, bubbles or spheres that exist. And one of them is the kind of like festival studio world, you know, where you go to a studio, you take a class, you go to a festival or there's a dance event in a hotel and things of that nature, you know. Mm. And then you have the other side where it's like more cultural and you dance on the street, you know. And this Mm -hmm. happens with bachata. It happens with salsa. It happens with kizomba. It happens with tango. And if you go to like the source of where these origins dances are, um, you're more likely to stumble across it. it is integrated into the culture. And you do have like really young kids to really old people dancing. And so it's awesome to hear that you experience that there as well. And this is the beautiful thing, like through the festivals, we can be exposed to this kind of culture, um, but not every place is going to have the culture to sustain dancing like in the street in that kind of vibe, you know? So that's awesome. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And actually related to that, one of, you know, there's just Kizomba music everywhere. And mm. one of my really cool memories is I was in the grocery store, you know, to pick up some regular fruit and vegetables and stuff. And they were, it was actually Kuduru music that they were mm. playing over the speakers. And there was, I was in like, you know, the yogurt aisle or something. And there were these little kids like five years old and they mm-hmm. were just dancing, like going <laughs> crazy. And their mom was there. She's just like picking yogurt, picking cheese. And the two little kids, they're just, you know, busting these amazing moves in the mm. grocery store. And, you know, the clerks are kind of dancing as they ring mm. through your purchase. And it's just like, oh, this is paradise. Like everywhere you go, you hear Kizomba, Kuro, mm. Semba music. It's, it's pretty cool. <laughs> That's awesome. That's really, really awesome. And so obviously the official language in Angola is Portuguese. So how was it for you to adapt during this first trip with the, with the language? Were you able to get by? Yeah, so I had studied Portuguese before going there because I believed it would be really important to speak Portuguese in Angola. And I guess maybe that's also one of the reasons why I delayed going there, because I believed I would have a much better experience if I could actually communicate with 
the majority of the people there. Mm-hmm. So I already knew how to speak Spanish from living in the Dominican Republic for a year. So that Spanish and Portuguese are quite similar. Um, so with mm-hmm. a, a bit of self-study, in addition to my knowledge of Spanish, I was able to speak Portuguese. Like I landed at the airport. I talked to the officials in Portuguese right off the bat. I definitely improved a lot over my months staying in Angola. But mm-hmm. um, I mean, it's really helpful to speak Portuguese because a lot of the, I would say actually like the majority of the people who I met at Kizomba Narua speak little English or or some of them know English. So mm. if you can speak Portuguese, it's helpful to mm. uh, to integrate more. That's really awesome that you got a chance to go. It makes me want to go visit. And <laughs> it's been, I've never experienced the cultural street side of a partner dance. Like most of my experience with dancing uh, Kizomba or even Salsa Bachata has always been on the festival studio side. It's like, hey, I want to go dance. I look up dance studios, you know, versus looking mm. for a place where you can just go dance outside. So um, I'm excited to experience that at some point in my life. So um, what else did you notice in that first visit to Angola? And I think if I remember correctly, you're telling me you have did several trips after that, uh, your first trip to Angola. Yeah. So um, like I said, my first or the visa that I had was for 30 days mm-hmm. uh, after being there three to four weeks. I was like, oh, <laughs> I can't leave after 30 days. I <laughs> love it here. It was so amazing. Um, I met you know, amazing people. I was dancing. Um, I even managed to start teaching some yoga classes. So I, that was helpful. Mm-hmm. Uh, so through my contact, I managed to extend my visa uh, so that I actually kept extending it. I extended it three times so that I stayed for four months. Oh, wow. <laughs> so crazy. I literally just stayed for four months. I came mm-hmm. in the beginning of August and I left right before Christmas. Mm. So yeah, that's that was my impression. It was like, I'm here. I love it. I can't leave. <laughs> that's it in a nutshell. So then I think you asked me, went back again. So mm-hmm. that was in 2016, my first visit. Uh, I also went in 2017, in 2018 and 2019. So I've been four times. Um, I stayed, the longest I stayed was four months. The shortest I stayed was one month. The other visits were, I don't know, two to three months. So in mm. total, I can say I stayed maybe nine or 10 months in, in Angola. Mm-hmm. Um, and it has also been cool to come back like over four consecutive years and just see a little bit how the dance scene is changing, like the up and coming artists and dance mm. teachers and, and kids who are dancing. It's been cool to <laughs> see the progress over the years. Yeah, that's really awesome. So through those nine or 10 months in Angola, I'm pretty sure that you've kind of like collected some travel tips and cool practices that our listeners can uh, possibly like jot down or keep this podcast as a reference for um, some important things to know about going to Angola if they want to travel there to make their trip worthwhile, because I'm pretty sure it's I guess, depending on where they're coming from in the world, it could be a, quite of a, a long trip. And I guess it could also save some money with some of these tips as well. Yeah. Yeah. Like I mentioned, I got really lucky with a free accommodation, which saves a ton of money. Mm-hmm. It is true that it's a little bit pricey to stay there, but it's not 
crazy expensive, especially if you're coming from a country with dollar or euro and you can switch it to the local currency. Mm-hmm. You can get um, a hotel room for, I think, between 50 to 100 let's say US dollars per night, Mm -hmm. which is not cheap. Like at the time I couldn't have afforded it myself, but if you compare it to paying for a hotel at a normal festival, it's the same, Mm, right? So if you're only going to be there for two weeks, you can just pay to stay in a hotel. They, and there are plenty of hotels right downtown. The crazy thing is there are also hotels downtown that cost four to 500 US dollars per night to stay there. And so those were kind of the things I was hearing on the news or from my research before going there, like this hotel is 500 US per night to stay here. And I was like, Hmm. wow, I can't even stay one one night in this country. (laughs) (laughs) But also Airbnb is in Luanda. So Hmm. you can rent a place on Airbnb for a few weeks. Mm -hmm. Uh, I've also met some Europeans who kind of befriended Angolans, like local dancers, and made some sort of arrangement that they could stay in the guest bedroom of their house. Mm. So, you know, the first time you come there, you might have to shell out for an Airbnb or a hotel. But then if you can manage to make some friends and say they have a guest bedroom, I mean, I'm not obviously guaranteeing, but Mm -hmm. you might be able to make some agreement. Hey, I'll pay you 200 bucks a week if I can stay in your guest bedroom. And then that's also like a super cool cultural experience because Mm -hmm. instead of staying in a hotel, you might be staying in more like a local neighborhood or something. Exactly. And I remember you telling me there is a a huge expat community there in Luanda. Yeah. Yeah, there was before COVID. Um, A Mm. lot of the expats who I know left because of COVID, but uh, Angola is the second biggest oil producer af- in Africa after Nigeria. So because of the oil industry, there is quite a large expat community, a lot of Americans uh, from Texas mostly, <laughs> mm-hmm. and Europeans um, and Canadians who are working as expats in the oil industry. Um, they, from what I understand, from how getting to know them, they didn't really integrate too much into the culture like none of the expats who i knew were going out dancing kizomba Um, but they are there and because of that there are lots of grocery stores and stuff that are kind of carry international products and stuff Mm. yeah makes sense uh speaking a little bit about the the finance aspect what is the the currency there in angola and I guess outside of accommodations with food and maybe like travel and like cabs and things of that nature, what did you find that that was also affordable? Yeah, uh, their local currency is called the Kwanzaa and it varies a lot in its rate. So I noticed huge fluctuations in the American dollar to Kwanzaa currency rate over the four Mm. years that I had been visiting. Uh, You can exchange in banks or you can unofficially exchange on the street, which is what 99% of people do or at least did during those years. I'm not sure if it eventually, hopefully will be different that people change in banks. But Mm. when I was there, it was just everybody changes money on the street. So you Mm. have to show up with US dollars or euros, but US dollars are better. And then you change uh, your cash to get the local currency. Mm. Um, You mentioned about taxi and transportation. There Mm -hmm. are actually some apps. It's not called Uber, but it's the same concept as Uber. I forget what it's called, but 
I can actually send it to you later if you want to include it in the comments or something. But there For are sure, two in the or show notes. Yeah, there are two or three different companies uh, that you just download the app. The meter works on your phone exactly the same as Uber, and it's it's affordable. Like it's totally affordable. So it's a really cool way to get around the city. Mm-hmm. And as far as grocery shopping and things of that nature, was that food also pretty affordable after you converted your currency into the Kwanzaa? Yeah, it's. It depends. I mean, if you want to buy a lot of American or European imported goods, it's expensive. Like you're going to probably pay at least as much as you would pay in Portugal or mm-hmm. or US or something. Um, but it's, I mean, if you just buy kind of basic fruits, vegetables, rice, bread, it's it's affordable. Like it's not, I mean... The the reason why people said Luanda was so expensive is because of the expat lifestyle. Mm. But you still think that the majority of Angolans are somewhat living in poverty and not earning a ton of income, mm-hmm. but yet they survive. I mean, they go to the grocery store, they buy vegetables, they buy rice. So it really depends what type of lifestyle you want to have. If you want to eat at fancy restaurants in the five-star hotels, you could pay a hundred US dollars for your meal. No problem. Mm -hmm. If you're willing to eat rice and beans that you cook yourself, it'll cost you $2. So it's Mm kind of like you choose what you want. Mm -hmm. Definitely. Was there a particular dish that's very popular of Luanda that's like native to uh, (laughs) that city? Yeah. Funj or Funji. I don't Mm -hmm. know exactly. I think Funj, they say it. Mm-hmm. F-U-N-G-E. So mm-hmm. it's, I believe it's a cassava flour that they basically mix with water and it becomes like this big blob. So most other African countries have a similar type staple food. So in West mm-hmm. Africa, they call it fufu. Yes, in South Africa, it's pap. Mm-hmm. In Zambia, it's called nchima. So like mm. most African countries, they have this kind of like big <laughs> staple mm-hmm. thing mm-hmm. so there uh, Luanda the city it's right on the beach uh, on the coast of the ocean so mm-hmm. seafood is quite popular they have this type of fish well I'm vegetarian so I never tried it but they have this type of fish called mufet which is really really popular plantain is also popular there so mm. there are women on the street that they have a little charcoal fire pit and they just grill plantain on the street and you can mm. pick it up and you can buy it I don't know, like 50 cents or a dollar or something like for a grilled plantain with a handful of peanuts. Mm. And that's like a nice little snack that's cheap. Uh, Bread is also really popular there. Some Portuguese snacks like pasta de nata. It's this little egg tart, basically, Mm -hmm. uh, is is super popular. Most Portuguese things because Angola was a is an ex Portuguese colony. So Mm -hmm. there's a lot of imported or Portuguese influence, let's say. Um, and then they have different types of local greens that they eat mm. with their funge. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I would say those are the main things I noticed. Nice, nice. That's, that's cool. Uh, I definitely remember eating fufu with my dad. He's Nigerian. Mm. And we would just eat it with like meat or different types of like stew that he would make with like spinach or different things. Sometimes very spicy. Yeah. So tell us about the visa requirements. I know some people have wanted to travel and they're unaware of like how the the visa system works. So what was your experience with the with the visa? So that is something that also changed significantly over my four different visits to Angola. 
uh, now it's an e-visa like almost any other African country is that you have to pay, you have to register online in advance. You have to apply. There are some requirements, like you have to uh, show financial proof of a certain amount of money per day that you want to stay there. So you have to send your bank account, like a screenshot or something. Mm. Uh, you have to have a ticket going in and going out. You have to have a vaccination for yellow fever. And this is actually required when you land at the airport they're going it's a physical certificate that's yellow and they're mm. going to have to look at your certificate otherwise you won't be let in the country and they're very strict about that mm. so there's these few requirements that if you just go to the like google angola e-visa you'll find all the requirements listed on the website mm. uh, i think it costs 50 us dollars for a 30-day visa and I think they have an option for like a six month multiple entry visa, if, I, mm. if I'm remembering. Uh, so now it's, or okay, let's say before COVID, it was relatively easy to get the visa. On my first visit, there was no such e-visa thing. Like if it wasn't for me knowing an Angolan diplomat, it would have been quite hard to get the visa. Like you actually had to have a letter of invitation, basically like someone is sponsoring you to mm -hmm. stay there. Yeah. So, I mean, with COVID, things are probably tight and it's not really possible to travel these days. But I'm sure when the world normalizes after COVID, they'll still have that e-visa system in place. Mm -hmm. Definitely. That's good to know for sure. And also about the, the vaccination before you go, because I know different countries have different requirements depending on uh, what they've been exposed to and things of that nature, you know? Mm hmm. We'll see what happens with the vaccine requirements with COVID, yeah? And countries letting in foreigners and all these kind of things. Yeah. So traveling alone in Angola, um, you were dancing and you went to Kizama Narua. I'm pretty sure you went to some different clubs and things of that nature as well. Um, any tips for people who might be traveling alone or in a small group of like, I guess, safety? Because that's always a concern while you're traveling in somewhere that's not your, your home country. Yeah. I mean, I believe that any city or country in the world has some neighborhoods that are slightly less safe than others. Mm -hmm. um, I also have this belief that 99% of people are really, really good people and will mm -hmm. never want to harm you. And then it, it doesn't matter if you're in Angola or USA or Paradise, there's mm -hmm. always going to be a few people who are, you know, this kind of... Uh, criminal minded or something. Exactly. Unfortunately, in Angola, a lot of people are really, really struggling mm. because of the economy and the conditions there. Uh, so there is a bit of a higher incidence of petty crime, you know, being robbed. And these are what I would kind of say crimes of desperation. Like the people mm. are really, really poor and they're just looking for something so they can buy food or survive. So there is that risk of this petty crime. There are some people on the street, of course, you know, kids um, and adults who live on the street and who can often ask you for money. Mm -hmm. So I never had anything bad happen to me during all my months, all my visits there. I never had anything stolen. Mm -hmm. um, I had plenty of people ask me for money on the street. And I usually said no because, well, for a few reasons, I was really well known. Like <laughs> everyone on the street, they actually knew my name for some reason. Well, and mm -hmm. also I had a bicycle. So I was just cycling everywhere. Mm -hmm. And I was like the only white girl who was riding my bike. <laughs> so everyone just knew me. <laughs> so it's, uh, you can't really start 
giving out money because then they're all going to ask you for something. And generally, most people say that just handing money out to kids on the street is probably not the best solution. If you want to help, you could maybe donate to a school or an orphanage Mm. or some sort of foundation instead. So there's that to be aware of. But yeah, I mean, I had my bicycle and I was cycling home from Kizo Manarua at 9 p.m. at night when it was dark. I never had anything bad happen to me. So I would say be careful and use your common sense that you'd use anywhere. Um, My first week or two there, I didn't. Like I didn't go alone on the streets. I would wait Mm. for someone to pick me up or go in a group with some local friends. Mm. But as I started to feel more comfortable in the city, I kind of knew like, okay. And also a lot of places there have security guards in front. So like all Mm. of the banks, all of the hotels through the whole night is a security guard. Well, he's usually sleeping, but he's there anyways (laughs) (laughs) in front of the building. So I kind of got to know certain routes that had a lot of security guards stationed outside. So I felt pretty safe cycling because I was like, okay, well, there's a guard here. There's a guard there. So if something happened to me, I hoped that he would help. Um, Mm -hmm. But like I said, nothing bad ever happened to me. Um, Now that they have this taxi app, that's also really safe. Um, That only is new, like the last two years, I think. Mm -hmm. So I never had any bad experience using the the rideshare, the taxi app. Like all the drivers were super reliable and, you know, trustworthy. Uh, Most of them didn't speak English though. But... Yeah. So I would say it's like anywhere. I mean, use your common sense, take a bit of time to get used to your surroundings, but it's not like crazy dangerous. Mm, I got you. That's awesome. And I think I forgot to ask you outside of uh, Kizomba Narua, where were some other places that people should add on their list, assuming that these places will still be open post COVID? Yeah. So there is, oh, I should have, uh, remember the exact places before. Okay, let me think. I actually have it written down like every night of the week where to go. So, mm-hmm. okay, on Monday evening, there's this place, ah, that's what it's called. Mm-hmm. So Monday evening, it's like uh, live music in Chadakashinde. And it's quite an older crowd that goes there. So 50, 60 years old and above. Mm-hmm. And it's a group, a local house band, and they play both their own music and covers of uh, popular Angolan songs. And it's a really, really nice atmosphere, like to see the kind of older people dancing and enjoying the music. There is a little cover charge to go there um, and it's a restaurant and a bar so you can order food and drinks. So very different atmosphere from the Kizomba Narua. Nice. Then, well, on the weekend, there are tons of parties like Friday and Saturday. There are actual nightclubs that you can go to. So it's kind of like a bit harder to go by yourself to those type of places because, you know, if you're in Canada or the US and you just go to a nightclub by yourself, it's kind of socially weird. Like generally Mm. you go with your friends. So it's kind of a similar experience with the nightclubs in Luanda because although they're playing majorly um, Kizomba and Semba music, it is this atmosphere of just like a bar or a nightclub. So most people go with a small group of friends, you know, a few guys and a few girls, and they're kind of dancing together within their group of friends. Um, and then, you know, as the night goes on, you might kind of interact with other groups. So there's uh, Casa de Musica, which is a bit far of the city center, but it's like a really nice venue, amazing DJs, nice music. And then 
there's another place, which I forget the name, but I can text you later on Thursday sure. evening. And it's the same owner of Casa de Musica. On, so on Thursday evening, it's like an after work party. So it starts at mm. about 5 p.m., but you can dance until 2 a.m. Oh, and wow. so, yeah, that's also really nice on Thursday evening. Wednesday evening, they used to have this place called Diana Spa, where it was salsa bachata kizomba. So that was, that was unique. Uh, there's also Ilia, which is like a kind of island just off of the capital, Luanda. And mm -hmm. there they have a lot of really nice nightclubs and restaurants. And sometimes there's live kizomba music there with, and sometimes it's like really famous big kizomba artists from Angola mm. who are singing or having a show. So it's kind of like once you get there, the first stop should be Kizomba Narua on mm -hmm. Sunday evening. And then the best thing to do is just, you know, make some friends, exchange the contact information and then ask them like, hey, where's the party this weekend? Because also uh, the dance schools, the mm -hmm. Kizomba dance schools, they often have socials or parties um, on the weekends or weeknights that you can go to. Nice. Where Did you find that they, you know, like... In certain cities here in the U.S., at least, or sometimes even in Europe, if you're part of certain Facebook groups or things like that, you can see that the promoters post their events and you can kind of see what's happening. Uh, was there any like central hub of information that you found on social media in Angola or was it more like word of mouth? Yeah, I didn't really find anything online, which is why it took me a little while to figure out mm. where to go dancing. Now that I have dozens of Angolan Kizomba dancing friends on my mm -hmm. Facebook, they're always posting stuff. Well, I mean, mm -hmm. before COVID, they're always posting their parties and events and places to go dance. So once you make a few of those friends, you'll be in the loop and you'll know what everything is. But I didn't really find that much information just by searching Facebook without having mm -hmm. those local friends. I got you. No worries. I was just curious to see. Yeah. All right. So we talked about the visas. We talked about safety. We talked about food. We talked about other places to dance. And if somebody is traveling to Angola and they want to just eat, sleep and dance like this, definitely <laughs> what we do at some festivals and things of that nature. But um, I remember you were telling me that there's some other things uh, that are really cool about uh, Angola as well, outside of just the, the Kizomba dancing. Yeah, I mean, I love so many things of the city other than just dancing. The beaches there are actually surprisingly amazing considering it's a mega city of millions and millions of people. Ilia, mm. which I mentioned before, Ilia uh, means island, mm -hmm. but it's actually not an island. It's a peninsula. So you just drive there from downtown. It's like 10 minutes from downtown to get to Ilia. And it's basically like a long sand strip. Mm -hmm. And on either side of it are restaurants and nightclubs and bars and hotels. Uh, it's amazing. So if you're on the outside of it, of this peninsula, you're facing towards the ocean. And mm. there it's beautiful beaches. Like it's just kilometers and kilometers and kilometers of beaches, like 10, 15 minutes from downtown. So you can swim. Like the water is totally swimmable. Um, mm. You might see an oil tanker in the future, uh, like far away, but I just ignored that and swam anyways. <laughs> I got you. Um, so there are some public beaches, which you can go to, but there are also some restaurants and nightclubs that have uh, private beaches, which mm. can be a little bit more relaxing because then you can kind of like sit at a table and order food and you can leave your stuff there at the table and then you can swim and you can come back. Nice. Yeah. So that's like a really, really nice thing to do. 
basically every afternoon if you can you know mm. in between the dancing just go to the beach for a few hours get some nice seafood or uh, fruit juices they have amazing fruit juices there fresh freshly squeezed mm. so that's like really accessible from downtown uh, there's also an island this is an actual island called musulo Mm-hmm. And there you have to drive about 30 minutes out of downtown until you get to this kind of ferry or boat place. And then it's like a small boat, kind of like a canoe, but it has a motor. And they put about 12 or 16 people on this little boat and you just zip over. It's like 10 bucks or something to get to mm-hmm. the island. And then on that island, it's like, it's literally some of the most beautiful beaches I've ever seen in the world, like white sand, palm trees, um, a lot of Angolans, uh, rich Angolans have their kind of like weekend house on that Mm. island. There are also some resorts. So you can, you don't have to stay at the resort, but you can just go and order a few drinks or lunch from the Mm. restaurant of the resort. And then you can use their beach and you can use their facilities. So that's a really amazing day trip. Uh, There are also some cool markets if you like shopping. So Mm -hmm. um, there's Benfica, which is a craft market. You can buy all these kind of like sculptures of animals and baskets and a lot of um, handmade things. And then there's more local market that I really liked called Sao Paulo. And that one, it's just like everything in the whole entire world you can imagine you can buy there. So like, I don't know, toothpaste, Tupperware containers, clothes, Mm. shoes everything really everything is there but that's also where they sell a lot of the african fabric so i kind of like sewing so i bought Mm -hmm. quite a lot of fabric while i was there and if you are ever interested in you know making curtains or if you're make a dance costume or something you can get really really cool fabric from that place Mm -hmm. um there are some museums for sure uh i did visit a few but i'm not like that much into museums so i didn't visit all of them No worries. Yeah. But I mean, even just walking around on the street, like the people are really friendly, I found, and a lot of kind of just random interactions with people talking to me and, you know, nice conversations on the street. Mm. That's really awesome. I want to go and visit now. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, it's amazing. I haven't been, like I said, I've never been to Africa. So it's definitely something that's on my list. And if I do end up going, maybe I can hit up some uh, several countries, including Angola there. So Mm -hmm. we covered quite a bit. You have a lot of useful information for anybody who's definitely considering a trip to Angola. Um, Was there anything else that you feel that we missed? I think we went over most of the points that we had Mm -hmm. talked about, but I would just like to try to encourage people that if you get the opportunity, it's go for it. It's an amazing Mm -hmm. experience. And I think especially after covid I mean, so many people, so many countries, so many economies have been struggling. Like Mm -hmm. if you're able to, it's going to be really, really rewarding. Like the dance, the people, the culture, the weather, the Mm -hmm. beaches, the music, the food. It's just like you can have so many things all in one. And I really think Luanda, it's such an amazing city with so much potential, such vibrant and smart and creative people. And also, you know, we've only been talking about Luanda. Like there are places, beautiful uh, waterfalls, other beaches, Mm. other little towns, little cities, mountains, jungles. Like if you're, I mean, there's not as many opportunities for dancing Kizomba if you're doing a jungle safari. But (laughs) there's like, for example, there's a safari park, I think two hour drive outside of Luanda, outside of the capital. Mm. 
So you can go there and you can see giraffes and other animals. Or if you go a little bit further, you can see even more animals. So it's really like this, I would say, underrated country that has mm. so much potential. And if you love Kizomba, Semba, it's kind of paradise. Mm -hmm. I can imagine. You mentioned the, the weather. How was the weather uh, during your trips? Did you go at different times of the year or did you tend to go the same times of the year? Yeah, I've been in different times. The weather is perfect. <laughs> it's almost always between 25 and 30 degrees Celsius. I'm not All sure what that long. is in Fahrenheit. So Pretty much. that sounds yeah. like 75 to like 90 degrees Fahrenheit. That about. sounds like it. Yeah. Like it's not too hot, but it's not cold. Like it's never cold. I mean, we might go a little bit more or less depending on the time of the year um it's south of the equator so their mm -hmm. seasons are opposite of europe and north america but yeah. it's very close to the equator so it doesn't have that much seasonal fluctuation. fluctuation you know they have kind of like the dry season and the rainy season mm -hmm. um but even in the rainy season it's fine to be there it's not like raining 24 7 so it's yeah it's pretty good weather <laughs> that's awesome that's awesome all right. Well, Carolyn, thank you so much for like coming on to the podcast. Thank you for listening to the podcast. Thank you for reaching out to me and uh, sharing your experience in Angola. I uh, hope the people listening, uh, even if they can't travel like right now, they can like save this podcast and listen to it later on and kind of at least have some kind of uh, plan to help uh, their trip to Angola. And it's definitely something that's on my list now as well. So I really appreciate you coming to uh, contribute to the show. Yeah, well, thank you for this opportunity. And like we mentioned, I had the first idea to go to Angola four years before I actually went. So mm. let's hope that four years from now, the world will be allowing us to travel again and that mm -hmm. maybe some people who are listening to this now in two, three or four years from now will have the opportunity to travel to Angola. Mm -hmm. All right, Karen, thank you so much for joining me and I hope you have a great day. Thank you too. Thank you for checking out the Dance Your Heart on Fire podcast today. Be sure to check out neokizomba.com for links to everything that we chatted about today, as well as some awesome free resources to enhance your Kizomba journey. Okay.